Coming up on podcast 1650, the brand new Audi Q8 e-tron. Well, sort of brand new. I think you'll like it. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, we'll have a chat about Volvo's flagship EX90, a Toyota's new BZ4X and some confusion over the battery size of that and the new BMW iX2, an electric coupe crossover. Seen for the first time. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 10th of November. Martin Lee here, and I've been through every EV story today and picked out just the ones you need to know to save you time. We'll kick off with the headline, and that is the Audi Q8 e-tron, a.k.a. the Audi e-tron, which came at a time when Audi was... Uh, 2018, 2019, getting into electric vehicles. They were using the e-tron name already with cars like the plug-in hybrid A3 e-tron, and then they just called that SUV the Audi e-tron, which is fine, but it didn't really fit in with the rest of the naming conventions of Audi. And so if you want to get yourself an Audi saloon, you go for an A, an A something, an A3, an A4. And if you want to get yourself an SUV, a crossover style, you can get the, yeah, the Q4 the Q5, the Q7, the Q8, etc. And so Q8, top of the shop in combustion world, that's the name they've given the new e-tron, which is very similar inside, by the way. Actually very similar dimensions-wise outside. It's gone through a bit of a styling update to fit in with new Audis. So Audi has treated its e-tron to a facelift, a new name, new tech updates, much more than a mid-cycle refresh, I would say here. Now known as the Q8 e-tron. So Q8 is the name they give to their top of the shop vehicle. So Unless they're going to bring out a Q9, possible. That's interesting, because this is not a three-row, a big three-row family SUV. It's a big vehicle, don't get me wrong, but maybe Q7, possibly, would have have given them room to make something bigger. It starts in the UK, at least, for £67,800, and delivery start in April. So, according to Auto Express, it still comes with two models, the Sportback and the regular SUV. New powertrain is really important to talk about. So, two models, like before, 50 and 55, which way Audi do their names. Uh, So, it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, But the 50 is the smaller one, small battery, 55 is the bigger battery. Uh, The 50 kicks off the range with a 95 kilowatt hour battery. That's not small for the small battery, but it is a decent size. And that'll get you 281 miles of range. And so actually the old Audi e-tron 50, I I love it. And you can get some, I mean, not so much bargains, but you can get some decent prices on that at the minute because I think because it's so thirsty, so inefficient, it's not a motorway hauler. It does charge pretty fast, but the small battery existing one is depreciating, I think, quicker than some others, like the Mercedes-Benz EQC and Tesla Model X, etc. So you can pick one up for a decent price. This new base model will do decent mileage, almost 300 miles for the 50 and 290 miles for the Sportback version. Then there's the 55 version. That uh, has a 114 kilowatt hour battery. And I must add, there's also if you're wondering, because it's Audi, an S version. Oh, yes, the SQ8 is coming. 343 miles of range. 343 is mega. What a great number. Now, it does start at £97,000. So you're paying for that, by the way. Uh, But it will charge at a maximum charge rate of 170. Got the charge curve supplied by Audi as well, and it's much more peaky. Does that make sense? The old Audi e-tron, you plug it in, it would go up and it would just sit there as a flat constant all the way through to 90-odd percent. The new one is much more of a traditional charge 
curve. It goes up and around 20, 30%. I haven't got it open on my desktop to hand. And then it goes down again. And so 170 kilowatts peak rate, but you're not going to see that sustained for pretty much the whole charge like you do the existing car. And if you want the sportback version of both two and a half grand more, according to Auto Express in the US, expecting a maximum range estimate for the SUV to be under 300 miles on the EPA because WLTP is a little bit more lenient. And this will go up against things like the I-Pace and the Model X. Not as quick as either of those, by the way, but it does charge better. Its dashboard is packed with multiple high-res screens, including Audi's digital gauge cluster. They call it virtual cockpit, says car and driver. Two flush-mounted touchscreens in the centre. Of course, there's a variety of upscale options, like the head-up display and massaging seats and a great sound system. And the Audi Q8 e-tron, with its fast charging, has done that because of its new energy density on the battery pack. So Audi boosted the charge curve where people are most likely to see it, for instance, says Green Car Reports. So whether you're plugging in uh, down at 20% or 10%, they say that the charge curve is much more geared towards how people typically charge their vehicle on a long road trip. Now, the small version, the small battery version, will charge at 155 kilowatts, officially 150, but Green Car Reports saw 155 it uses the same battery box as before, 10 to 80% done in 31 minutes. They're using the same stacking technology, prismatic cells, same dimension, same cell size as the current pack, but different chemistry. They were NMC before, which is nickel, manganese, cobalt. And now they're NCAs, which is nickel, cobalt, aluminium. So different chemistry, more efficient, more energy in the battery pack, 114 kilowatt hours. And it's the vehicle isn't even heavier. It's 44 pounds heavier than the outgoing one because of other ah, weight saving and light weighting. Uh, that's a word, right? That they have done. So 30% more range, 20% more energy density, and not much more weight. Also, they've changed the motors, changed the windings, more efficiency. Uh, and so this should be much much more of a uh, of a highway cruiser, if you like. So that's a big deep dive into the new Audi Q8 e-tron. Let me know what you think of any of those specs and thoughts. You can email the show anytime about anything. Uh, the address is hello at evnewsdaily.com. Okay, staying with Audi and a quick mention for their new charging hub in Zurich, the second destination worldwide to have Audi's charging hub rolled out. It's a concept based on charging cubes. These are modular containers that, in addition to the quick charging infrastructure, contain everything they need. Refurbished lithium-ion batteries, second-life batteries, if you like, made from development vehicles that Audi no longer need. The charging hub requires no expensive infrastructure. It can plug into a relatively low-voltage connection because it's got so much battery storage on site and it is a sustainable way they say of doing quick charging infrastructure where local power grids are insufficient or perhaps even something that you need portability for for a major event or a major sporting event or something uh, four charging points at the entrance to this parking garage in zurich that output 320 kilowatts each that's uh, 1.05 megawatt hours of battery capacity inside it uh, in total it was 11 audi e-trons which were disassembled and it'll charge up to 60 electric vehicles a day audi customers can use the my audi app to book your charging session if you're 15 minutes late though it gets um that's the reservation gets cleared after which anyone can use it. Audi charging hubs can be used by all brands of electric cars, though, as long as you have a CCS plug. You know, battery storage at charging is such an important topic to talk about because 
I mean, maybe you get it. I, I certainly hope that I understand some of the complex issues around this. But as we move into the next stage of electric vehicles and more people buying them and wanting to charge really quickly on these kind of vehicles, and they expect fast charging, and yet where you can locate DC fast chargers is so reliant on transformers and high-voltage grid connections, and that can all be made good with enough money with enough money that it's so much cheaper to roll out something like this that has a ton of battery storage and then connect it up to i mean not quite a three pin plug into a wall socket if you get <laughs> you get my drift um and it's not the kind of thing that is going to be recharged quickly on solar although there are solar panels on the roof of these of these portable charging stations that audi have, have made it you know it's there for the press release it's not there for energy generation you know you're not going to make a lot of juice with solar panels when you're charging evs but still it looks nice in the pictures to have solar panels all over it uh, and they will help no doubt but um you can have a much much lower grid connection that are constantly recharging the batteries because ev chargers are not used with a hundred percent occupancy even if there's half an hour between somebody leaving and someone joining that half an hour is enough to trickle charge the batteries for again again you know uh, for want of a better phrase, a big dump. Because that's, you know, sometimes if you've bought a Porsche Taycan or a, a Ionic 5, a Kia EV6, any of these fast charging cars, uh, you know, you do appreciate, you, you appreciate it when there can be a big dump of energy into your vehicle. Because you want to see it charge nice and quickly. Uh, but the last thing you want is to have these massive grid connections underutilized. So yeah, you can put in a huge grid connection, but then if that charger isn't being used for, or, or full occupancy for whatever reason, for a day or whatever, like that money has been wasted. So batteries are so important with EV charging. It's going to be a really interesting topic to explore over the coming years here on this podcast, I am sure. Now, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk Volvo's flagship all-electric SUV, the EX90. Stick around. That's on the way. All right, the EX90 brings 360 miles of range to the Volvo top-of-the-shop vehicle here. I know we're talking some expensive cars today, but heck, why not? Uh, the Volvo EX90 is the seven-seat electric version of the XC90. It's a statement for where we are, they say, and where we are going. It goes on sale in 2024, though. This is not like a car that's unveiled now, like the Audi, and then on sale early next year. It's not even on sale next year for deliveries in 24. It's on sale in 24. So it's a very, very early premiere for Volvo to give the EX90. So if you do need this vehicle, you're going to be buying the XC90 for a little bit longer. Dedicated platform, though. That's brilliant news. Uh, Geely, who own Volvo, Polestar, etc., have uh, a lot of engineering chops, and this advanced architecture will be what future Polestars and Volvos sit on. Twin motor, all-wheel drive powertrain. Uh, twin models offer either 402 brake horsepower or 510 brake horsepower. 111 kilowatt-hour battery, they say, 107 usable, although that could change in the next 18 months, right? It's got a long time till this car's on the road, so maybe improvements will be made or efficiencies will be made but then again the battery supply contracts are going to be in place so they're pretty sure of who's going to be supplying those batteries and and the technology the battery has a 250 kilowatt dc fast charge peak rate and again the charge curve is the all-important thing no point being this little spike of wham bam thank you ma'am and then you know that load gets shot and then you're down to a very low charge rate as long as it's sustained over a period of time that's what you want when you're charging but they say 10 to 80 percent in 30 minutes and that is absolutely ballpark brilliant 111 
kilowatt hour battery compared to the Audi that I just mentioned, 114 kilowatt hour, and yet both of them will get to 80%. 10 to 80. Please, dear car makers, please always use 10 to 80. Some of them use 5 to 80, or they just mess around with it to get the right number of minutes, but please, just give us the 10 to 80 figure. A 10% to 80% typical road trip charging, um, half an hour. That's bang on the money, by the way. And you do tend to stop for half an hour after driving for 300 miles. And so... According to TechCrunch, the EX90 embodies the marketing message of safety, absolute safety. Volvo's whole mantra is no person killed or seriously injured in any new Volvo car. That's that's their aim, and it's a laudable aim, isn't it? Um, it aims for EVs to comp- uh, comprise half of the 1.2 million vehicles the company is targeting in mid-decade global sales. The standard system features 16 ultrasonics, which is pretty cool. 16 ultrasonics, eight cameras, five radars, and LiDAR. The LiDAR is fitted to the roofline, where, a bit like... A London black cab has its taxi light illuminated, if that makes sense. It's like a little monobrow that sits on top. But it's not particularly conspicuous. I think they've blended it in pretty well. But the LiDAR, there's no way to hide LiDAR at the minute till the technology gets better. But that is important because although I know Tesla absolutely refute that claim that LiDAR is needed, they can do it all with cameras. What about when the cameras are covered in snow and slush and fog? LiDAR, Volvo says... We'll see at 820 feet in any condition, in complete darkness, 820 feet up the road. It will see things long before you see an obstruction in the road. And that's why Volvo say this is the safest car in the world. And Volvo make the safest cars in the world. It has AI capabilities to become more tailored to your driver's behavior over time. And it's a software-defined vehicle, they say, which is really interesting. It's kind of all the the language around EVs right now. A software-defined vehicle working with Google, Apple, NVIDIA, Luminar, and Qualcomm. All right, final big story today, and then some little tiddlers at the end. Uh, but the big one is a Norwegian, so lbuild24.no. Uh, Norwegians know what they're doing with electric vehicles, and they have range tested the new Toyota BZ4X in Norway. So don't try and pull the wool over Norwegians' eyes. People like Björn Newland with his YouTube channel and this website, so lbuild24, they test hundreds of EVs. They they know what they're doing with range testing and not to 100% charge testing. So, do not try and pull the wool over their eyes because they will absolutely roast you, Toyota. So this is a, a, a Norwegian article run through uh, Google Translate and it says that they tested the BZ4X from Toyota, uh, which was good on a number of points, but underperformed on the important stuff. They say that an update to this story, Toyota of Norway are aware of what they've written on their website and they have said, we'll get back to you when we've talked to Toyota European headquarters. Toyota promised the BZ4X will come in four-wheel drive versions that will do 470 kilometers, and that's a long way. 470 kilometers, 300 miles, according to WLTP. And that's the WLTP test. But something you should understand about WLTP test, you've only got to test the car for half an hour. You can do it any condition, so you'd probably do it at 23. You know, if you were looking to Give yourself an advantage. 23 degrees is pretty good for lithium-ion batteries. Not too hot, not too cold. Uh, You can inflate the tyres to what you want on the WLTP test. So you can, if you want, over-inflate them. I mean, you're you're only cheating yourself, aren't you? You can turn off, you can put the car in eco and turn off all heating or cooling. And again, you get a number that's not realistic. I don't know what Toyota have done, but they've got a WLTP of 470 out of this. So... 
This website range tested the BZ4X and asked Toyota, how big is the battery? Toyota told them 71.4 kilowatt hours usable. Uh, That was what Toyota told them at the time. Uh, This website also spoke to some Lexus engineers they know who mentioned 74 kilowatt hours gross. So that would be quite a small buffer, but 74 uh, in total and 71 usable. Yeah, pretty small top end, bottom end buffer, but that sounds about right. So they ran the car down to 0%, recharged it, and they didn't believe the results. They repeated it once on AC slow charging, where there's less heat, less losses, and once on DC fast charging, and again, more heat, more internal resistance. But both times, they put about 62 kilowatt hours into the car from the charger. Now, take off losses, and you're talking maybe 58, 59 kilowatt hour battery by the time, again, that's what came out of the charger was 62 kilowatt hours. So they said they ran the test twice, they got 307 kilometres out of it. Nowhere near the 470. And they don't understand why Toyota would tell them it's got this size battery, and yet it's they got so much less energy in than Toyota was saying. They said that the uh, efficiency was uh, was dog-awful, 1.91 kilowatt hours per mile, and far, far, far too high a consumption, really inefficient, and not going anywhere near what the car should do. Now they say we tested it at 8 degrees in Norway, which is cold. But it's reasonable, and Björn Newland does his tests far lower than 8 degrees. So Toyota really coming in for some stick over this. And yeah, I'm not their biggest cheerleader, but if you're going to come late to the EV party, you've got to come good. Don't try and, uh, and, and, and blag your way in, because if you come with a terrible car, people will point it out. And so we'll wait to see if there's any follow-up to that story. Would you buy a Toyota BZ4X? Is it on your shopping list? Would you have one in your driveway? Would you finance one or lease one or maybe long-term rental just to see what it's like? Are you a Toyota brand fan? Or are you sworn off for life because of the way that they've marketed aggressively against plug-in vehicles? I'd love to know. Okay, some quick other stories to let you know about. BMW's iX2 electric coupe crossover seen by Autoblog in Spy Shots. And given that BMW calls the newly revealed electric version of the X1 the iX1, they think this will be the iX2. A reasonable assumption to make. As for what the mechanicals underneath the iX2 will consist of, they say probably the same as the iX1. The X-Drive 30 is out now uh, with about 313 horsepower. They say 5.7 seconds, 0 to 62 range, about 270 miles. And the slick shape of the iX2 could eke a bit more out. We'll wait to see what BMW come with next. A good, that's a, you know, a, it won't be cheap, but certainly a smaller car. Um, for a small family, perhaps that's uh, much more uh, uh, welcome than yet another big chunky boy SUV. Rivian's Q3 earnings were out yesterday and things are going okay at Rivian. Not incredible, but they certainly need to uh, get to their reaffirmed production goal of 25,000 vehicles. They made 7,363 during the third quarter quarter and in the same time their backlog grew to 98,000 vehicles with a rising pre-order rate they say they have 13.8 billion dollars in cash in the bank despite a big old cash burn of 1.6 billion dollars on a quarter woof that's a lot of money to lose down the back of the sofa uh, isn't it 1.6 billion every quarter you start to burn through your savings pretty quickly like that so they've got to start ramping the r2 platform by the way which is going to be the small crossover has been pushed back now, and that, absolutely. 2026, maybe, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes back further than that. Rivian need to get the R1T and the R1S out the door. Tesla in Shanghai is adding more inventory at its highest rate since uh, ever, they say, in October, according to brokerage data. Reuters says that last month in October, Tesla made 
1,706 Model 3s and Ys at Shanghai, but only delivered 71,700. So that is 16,000 cars in inventory, which explains the big price cuts, the incentives, uh, and the recent... um, Uh, insurance incentive as well if you go with one of their partners giving you more money off inventory cars so shanghai has a lot of capacity to make cars and they do not want sixteen thousand china-made cars just sitting waiting to find a customer and finally sayat said yesterday they will build spain's first ev car plant and battery plant as part of a 10 billion euro investment in Spain, where the Spanish government said they'd convert the country's car manufacturing industry, the second biggest in Europe, to electric power. Say it, of course, part of Volkswagen Group building the battery plant in Segundo, near Valencia. The company said that the VW Group would electrify the existing car plants they have for Sayat right now in Pamplona and uh, Matarel near Barcelona. And that's your podcast for today. Hey, thanks to everyone on Patreon, especially our premium partners. That's Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley and his excellent EV review YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, its global public charging made simple with one map and one app also millbrookcottages.co.uk down in devon five-star luxury cottages for you to book and enjoy your holiday and now lease plan electric moments thanks lease plan providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need we're gonna get them on the podcast very soon to talk about leasing i know nothing about it because well you know uh we have tended to buy cars over the years or what have I done? Yeah, I think like car finance back in the day. I mean, these days um, we don't drive them. We don't have the nicest cars on the driveway in, in in our street, but at least we own them. So you know, um, we've got much worse cars than our neighbours. But uh, uh, maybe they own theirs, or maybe I don't. Most cars are financed these days, but um, what with rising inflation energy bills rising, all those kind of things. I think, like a lot of people, we're tightening our belts and just being sensible with money and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to talking to Lease Plan about that whole way of getting a car on your driveway because I uh, never leased a car. So I'm looking forward to learning about that. Hopefully, next couple of weeks, we'll get them on on Saturday. Uh, and obviously, I know that with businesses and fleets... It's such an opportunity to decarbonize with EVs. I uh, can't wait to talk to them. That's your podcast for today. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.